A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Girl, everyone knows that story. Hello, and welcome to the Women of Star Wars podcast, the Star Wars fan cast where we take a deep dive and feminist look at the female characters, contributors, and creators of the Star Wars universe. I'm your host, Sarah Sindula. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women of Star Wars podcast. I'm joined today again by the fabulous Dr. Q. Hello, Amanda. Welcome back. Hello, Sarah. Hello, everyone. (laughs) It's good to have you here. Um, So today we are going to be talking about Ahsoka Episode 4, Fallen Jedi. But before we get started, I do want to say that obviously this podcast episode does contain spoilers. So if you don't want things spoiled, turn off this podcast and tune back in on October 21st for my episode on Captain Phasma, where I will be joined with my special guest, Blake Hamilton. Hey, Blake, what's up? Hey, Blake. Um, but if you've seen Ahsoka, or maybe you have no intention of seeing it, you don't have Disney Plus, but you want to like flex at the water cooler uh, and impress someone with thinking that you did watch it, then feel free to stay with us today as we Pick go up through the, the cliff episode. Notes. Yeah. Yes. All right. So today we're going to talk about episode four. Before we get started, Amanda. What are some things that you've learned about Ahsoka and the characters or questions that maybe you had last time that got answered this this time around? Or just some things that you've learned about Ahsoka since last week? You know, the, the research I did was after this episode. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to, I'll say later because I don't want to spoil. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, let's just go ahead and get into this episode. I did not look i'll be honest i did not look at the bio of the writer or director of this episode so me neither oops sorry (laughs) um but thank you for your service (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh have i told you that people say that to me as a teacher and it makes me deeply uncomfortable uh everyone say that to me since the military to me it always makes me very uncomfortable it's just giving this this awkward laugh And then I say, mm. you know what would really be a great way to thank me? Vote for more funding. <laughs> Give me 20 bucks, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, thank me for my We're service. We're underpaid, bro. Could you, could you, like, fund us to get us, like, I don't know, pencils on a regular basis? I don't know. You know, Sarah, if there's one union that does not exist that should, it's this alliance right here. Sarah is a teacher, if the audience does not know, and I'm a PhD. And that means we are both very underpaid. Yes, overqualified for our and skills underpaid. and experience, and all our and it's like, how does, yeah, <laughs> we're the ones with all this education and give us more money, society. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So back to Ahsoka. All right. So last episode, we left off with Hadi, Hadi, Lord Balin, just being like, okay, go into the forest and find them. Oh, Hunt and then them they walk down. They walk into the forest of Arendale. Yeah, on we don't say Olaf. the forest of Frozen Two, Ashley. where they are repairing the ship, uh, trying to call out to Home One and Hera. Fulcrum is radioing out their distress signal, and it is not working. Ahsoka's so outside, and then Sabine goes outside to have this really intense conversation with Ahsoka. There was a moment in there that uh, had me—I don't know—upon rewatching it, I really connected mm-hmm. the dots of how Balin played into. Um, the mistrust between Sabine and Ahsoka, because there's this very specific question yeah. that when Ahsoka says, can I count on you? The way I read Sabine's response was, bitch, what the fuck you talking about? Of course you can trust me. Like that was the look on her face. Well, I mean, she, she's kind of my least favorite character in this series. She stole the map. And then we see what happens later on in this episode. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she should have just taken the map, wrapped it up in a little <laughs> Tiffany box with a red bow and brought it to Balin. <laughs> yeah. And here you go. Yes. Yeah, because I mean, they get they get it anyways. Just right. fewer steps. I just remember seeing that and thinking, like, the fuck, like, what a terrible thing to say to someone right as you're walking, having them walk away, right as you give them this really big load of, if we can't make the journey to Ezra, then no one should. What are, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Can they get Ezra? Do you think so? I don't know. 
Obviously, Sabine is going to be able to get Ezra at this point. But, but at the I, expense I don't of know. bringing back Thrawn? That's a conundrum. Maybe. Right? I don't know. Uh, one thought that I was having, and I don't remember if we discussed this or in one of the previous episodes, but is the thought that because Thrawn is so dedicated to studying art and texts and things like that to mm-hmm. gain a better understanding of his enemy, it wouldn't surprise me that both Thrawn and Ezra would try to seek out ways to reach out to people using the Force. Yeah. Or like Jedi means of communication. I forgot where I was going with that. Were they at a, are they like back. in a void or were they where they are? Like I don't know where they're. Oh, I think that they're definitely on a planet of some sort. It's just really, really mm-hmm. far. And mm-hmm. well, we know where Thrawn is, but the question is: is, is Ezra with him? Did Ezra go yeah. somewhere else? Mm-hmm. We're assuming that Thrawn and Ezra are together. Yeah, but we don't actually know that for sure. No. So. But it's, so, it, I don't know, it's a hard thing to, because she's lost so much, you know, it just seems like a really hard thing to ask her to sacrifice mm-hmm. one more person, especially a person that she, according to Balin, says that she feels like is the only family she has left. But I'll get to that later, because that felt like a slap in the face to a lot of people. But what did, what did you think? Well, they have that conversation, and then Huang goes outside mm-hmm. uh, to repair the ship, and Ahsoka is ominous. Uh, you know, be careful out there. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a lot of wise comments. Like I've noticed that in like the first ten minutes, everything she says, you could like stop and do like this montage of this like Jedi, like like duel of the fates with her saying stuff in these like really dramatic poses. But I get like everything she says is like in this Gandalf stance. Do you feel that way, or am I tripping? <laughs> I hadn't thought of the Gandalf stance, but. I could see she does definitely have a very specific cadence of speech. I, I don't know if I'd call it Gandalf, though. Mm. I don't know. I like that it's comparison. So- <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. I can't tell if it's this sort of guarded persona or if it's where exactly it comes from because there's very few moments where we see her mm-hmm. that sort of mask falling away. And it's when yeah. she sees uh, Shin show up at the stronghold without Sabine and her eyes get really big. And she's like, Sabine. Oh yeah. The other moment yeah. is when she sees Morgan's shuttle fly off world. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah and then yeah. the third moment is when we see her with Anakin at mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's these very specific moments where she, that mask sort of falls away. It, it's just, a, it's an interesting way to have her portrayed. It's a very great way of having her act. And I feel that the actors are giving a pretty consistent performance, even with different directors. Yeah, no, that's true. Huang side, Hu Yang, mm-hmm. and we pan back. We see the guard, and then I think that the lesson that Ahsoka is trying to like really impress upon Sabine in that conversation outside is how the needs of many outweigh the desires of a few. Yes, and really holding to like the bigger picture of what they perceive as peace. Mm-hmm. Um. So then we cut over to the stronghold and Shin returns and says they've been found. Mm-hmm. And Morgan says, well, the guards won't hold them long. And then Balin's like, you will. And Shin and Marak go off back into the forest to find them. The conversation between Morgan and Balin was yeah. when she said, is that a note of fear in your voice? And he says, and he says, experience. Yeah. What did you, what did you think about that? I mean, he's trying to be a realist. So he basically just doesn't want to underestimate, you know, we can't underestimate them uh, Mm -hmm. at all. And so he is, he has something to be nervous about, you know, and then I guess I'll talk about his conversation later with Ahsoka, but yeah. We could bring it up now because like it, it does directly link to later when he says the legacy of you and your master is one of death and destruction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that that experience is what it is that he's talking about. And then it cuts back to Ahsoka and Sabine inside the ship where there's this really like sweet moment where Sabine's trying to look for something. Yeah. And she's getting kind of frustrated. She can't find it. And Ahsoka comes over and hands it to her. And then it kind of got a little bleak where Ahsoka says, sometimes we have to do what's right, regardless of personal feelings. Yeah. What does she mean by that? Well, I think it's, it's getting back to what she was trying to say earlier about we might have already reached the point where we have to maybe give up on finding Ezra 
Like mm-hmm. it's more important that Thrawn doesn't return than we get Ezra. And so I think that she was trying to sort of reignite that conversation and frame it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we have to do what's right. And then Sabine was asked her, do you really believe that? And Ahsoka said, when the stakes are this high, yes, I do. It feels like a very Ahsoka thing to say. <laughs> say more. It just, she has like the way she says things with just, you know, um, like she's almost this idyllic, mythical hero, right? And so we're so intrigued by her with her story and her weight of the force and what she's able to wield and her power and knowledge and strength and compassion. She's dope as fuck. Yeah. And how did she know what Sabine was looking for? Was that like, I was wondering, was that a Jedi mind thing or did she just know her so well and she knew she was looking for a brooch or I don't know. I don't know what she was looking for, what it was. I think it was a cartridge for her blaster. That's not a brooch. I mean, it is for some people, but not for Sabine. I, <laughs> I think that's what it was. And I'm not sure how she knew. It could also have just been a way to illustrate to the audience that perhaps that's something that Sabine has done before. Yeah. And Ahsoka has helped her in the exact same way. Mm-hmm. It's to show this connection. And, and that they actually do have a really For affection. <laughs> yes. And it, it almost felt, uh, I mean, it was definitely was like a teacher-student moment of like, yeah. I know what you're trying to do right now. Let me help or sisterly. you. sisterly. Yeah. There was yeah. a lot of love in that yeah, action. There was. So there was. it was incredibly tender. It was so sweet. And even you see like Sabine sort of soften in that moment. It was nice they had the little break to chill. You know, because yeah. what comes next? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Which I really loved that Hugh, Hugh Wang was a badass motherfucker. Such a bad. I was was so excited to see him fight. I was like, that was not the hero. That was so surprising how I felt watching him fight. Like, that was unexpected. I did not see that. And he is such a badass. He is. And he had those extra arms that come up, like Dr. Octo or whatever. Yeah. He was incredible. And then he gets pinned. Yeah. And I, it was weird to me that he was calling out for help. Oh, I felt he should have. I don't know why. I, I felt like he delayed help. I, I just mean, he, like, if, if I were being attacked, like, I wouldn't trust my guns, like, my fists, my dukes, uh, <laughs> over my voice. Like, I can be loud AF. And yeah, that is, same. If, yeah. That is what you should do if you're attacked. Try not to rely on fighting first. Yell for help. And I, f- I will have to wonder what his programming is. If his programming yeah. is to first try to defend and then only ask for help when he's right. outnumbered. Because yeah. he didn't ask for help. He didn't start ask like it was a polite request motherfucker didn't yell for help until um until he saw the other guards and approaching when he was pinned and then when he realized that he couldn't that move of turning off the lights was fucking brilliant because i was wondering how is he gonna let ahsoka know how is he gonna let her know and then as soon as the lights went i was like there it is there it is it was so cool it was and then you see how sabine is still kind of cynical yeah. because she's like, oh, that daft robot. And I was like, rude. Rude. bitch. I know, right? Sabine, calm down. Yeah, like, what was that about? Sabine, I'm telling you, she's my least favorite character this season. That's so interesting. So tell me why she's your least favorite character. Because she she hates on Hiang. She basically delivered the map. And Mm -hmm. as someone who's had short hair for a long time, no fucking way can you slice off your do with a sword and look like that. No. Mulan does it and she has a bob because that makes more sense to have a straight cut. It bothers me on so many levels. So just the way Sabine is, it's like, oh, she's like entitled, privileged. I don't dislike her because okay. I love women, but like she is really working for the bad guy and I'm waiting to see. Like she's not, she, she's not even force sensitive. She has no power. That scene, you I was like, no power. I know. I was like, did she just, did Shin just get slapped in the face and that's all that happened? Or was she flinching? Because either way, it was all kind of weak. She but was Sabine, like, that was awesome. And we'll talk about that when we get there. But yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so where, oh, okay. So you know what was, what bothered me about the scene? Right before Hu, Hu Yang gets attacked, motherfucker squints. Why is a robot squinting? 
kind of like look into the forest or something there. I guess. Maybe. You can also just look in that direction. <laughs> That's true. I just thought it was I just thought it was funny. It was one of those weird things. It was also like just a, it was just something to clown on. Um Okay. So then Ahsoka, that's the other time that I realized that she lets her mask fall a little bit is when Sabine says, oh, that daft droid did it again. And then she says mm-hmm. he wouldn't. And she like looks mm-hmm. pissed at Sabine. Like, why are you assuming such negative intent? Mm-hmm. And then um, they go out. And then can we talk and- about the way they fight? Because the way they fight yes! was fucking brutal. Yes. It was brutal. Like there was a decapitation, which was totally badass but it felt almost dark side sith like like i don't mm-hmm. know what was going on with that it it felt very yeah what did you what did you think about that i was honestly a little i mean it's not the first time we've seen decapitation but the the thing that made me go oh i've never i don't think i've ever seen that before was the use of the force to create a human shield yeah like ahsoka picked up a guard moved yeah. him in front of somebody like yeah that was that was a little shocking and brutal for that me was a little shocking. Because the uh, decapitation, I we've seen it before. Like Mace Windu cut off Jango Fett's head, mm-hmm. and Anakin cut off Dooku's head. I, I think maybe one of the reasons that it became a little more shocking is because it was Ahsoka cutting off somebody's head. It it, it was barbaric. It was serious, and uh, but they they defeated intense. all those all those guys, which was amazing. Yeah. Um, and they did and it then, as a team. And this is the second time that we've seen right. them join and conquer in a way that is really, really powerful. Um, and that's stamped again by Hu Yang requesting that they stay together. They always like, do better when they work together. together. It felt very intimate, that yes. comment. Yeah. I would agree with you. Very intimate and very perceptive. And right. Like two siblings almost who can't get along but really care about each other. And then when they can work together, I don't know. You know it was like that. It was very platonic, but it felt intimate. It could be intimate and platonic. Yeah. Those two things can happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. So then we cut away mm-hmm. to fucking General Sindula. Mm-hmm. My okay. bitch on the scene. Mm-hmm. Who does what she out, wants. Walking out to the ship with her son and her droid. And you can't leave without authorization. Watch me. Mm-hmm. Love her. Nothing like disobeying direct orders and taking your child with you. Well, once a rebel, always a rebel. That's true. Which is a great line. Which is a great line, and because it, it says that even even in times of peace, even for a government that you fought for, there are still times where you have to take a stand, even yeah. when people are telling you that you can't or you shouldn't, or you have to stand alone. Yeah. So, fuck yeah, Hera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she takes yeah. her child and disobeys direct orders and. Yeah, it goes out on this mission. Um, And then we're back to the Frozen 2 planet. And Morgan tells Balin to have faith. And Balin says, faith, I lost that a long time ago. Of course, because he became an Imperial Inquisitor, Sith, Dark Force user. But what tripped me out was when Morgan ignited the map. And Balin... The green flame. And Balin made this comment. He was like, Ugh, witchcraft. And I felt like he said it with such disgust and disdain. Yeah, contempt. And I was like, this is just a different manifestation of the force. You're being awfully yeah. judgy right now. The witches of Dathomir were force wielders. They just practiced more on the dark side. And they did, they did things that... Are you defending um, them? Why not? Okay. I, I, they're really, really interesting characters to me. Like, I love the witches of Dathomir. And I just think that the, their use of the force and was just a different way of mm-hmm. the force showing up and manifesting. Mm-hmm. And it's not the Jedi way, but for the most part, the witches kind of kept to themselves. So I well, kind of understand. So they were good or bad, or Morgan seems bad. Morgan is very better. She and Sabine actually have a great deal in common. They've lost pretty much everything um, in the slaughter of their people, like the entire genocide of their planets, mm-hmm. and that pain is what's driving them towards their end goal. Okay. So Morgan wants to bring back Thrawn to take revenge against the Jedi and the Republic because she holds them responsible for the genocide of the Witches of Dathomir. Because um, when the genocide happened, oh, there were only six survivors, and Morgan was one of them. Mm. 
So similar to Sabine, Sabine's entire family was wiped out as a result of the empire. And Sabine was also abandoned by her family. They chose the empire over her, which led her to becoming a rebel after studying at the Imperial Academy. There's, there's a lot that they actually do have in common. Mm-hmm. They're both survivors. They're both feeling alone in the world. And they both mm-hmm. want the pain that they're living with to end. Oh, wow. Okay. I well, never thought of the parallels, but that's really, yeah, that's really smart, Sarah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> now we get to... Calculating hyperspace coordinates. I also mm-hmm. loved the visual on that. But then we cut away to that amazing fight sequence yeah. in the forest. Two battles simultaneously. Oh my gosh. That was insane. Okay, you go first on this one. You go first, because I know what you're going to say is going to be amazing, and I definitely want to hear that. Oh my, shut up. You go first. I just talked for a no, long no, time. No, you no, go I first. Want you to, I want you to go first. I Are just, we having all a I kindness? Have, we're having a kindness moment. This is a people pleaser We're having podcast, a kindness standoff. <laughs> and we're just going to just, whoever's going to be the nicest to go first. So I'm going to be the asshole. Because I've had a savage day. <laughs> All um, right, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be the, I'll be the Canadian. So, so running through the woods to face off uh, with with Shin. Who did you? She looked really happy to see them. Like mm-hmm. about to fuck y'all up. Like she was creepy happy. Like that was yes. the reaction. If I saw, I mean, she was genuinely maliciously happy, deliciously malicious happy. It was super Ooh. creepy. I need to write um, that down. Deliciously malicious. Deliciously I'm... malicious. And I, the guy, he pulls that Inquisitor stunt with his uh, mm-hmm. saber. Mm-hmm. And that shit was hilarious because when she takes him out, I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Because you just like, yeah. of all the things, and she just takes him out, boom. Yeah. And it was kind of like, nice. We got to see a little fireworks show before she just like took him out really quick. I thought it was hilarious when he died. I, I had to pause because I was laughing so hard. Mm-hmm. Because there were all these theories about who Mark was, and it turns out he was just this inquisitor who I think actually might have been, uh, I can't remember what they're called, but when Dathomir was under siege, mm-hmm. Mother Talzin created this army of the dead, like raised the dead, and so there were these zombies. And if I remember correctly, when the zombies were killed, they would turn to dust, similar to how Mark turned to dust. Yeah. And he screamed. Maybe. Yeah. And I just thought that was the reason why he had the mask and sort of the look like apparatuses because the zombies, all they did was scream. I don't quite remember. So I don't know. I thought maybe that's where he came from and that would be his connection to Dathomir um, and Morgan. And then Shin says the creepiest fucking thing to Sabine, you will regret that decision. And I was like, I didn't realize that she was so good at foreshadowing. Because Sabine did end up regretting her decision to split up from Ahsoka. Oh, that was the first thing I wrote. Like, and then she runs away. Like, they're going to go get the map. And now they're not together. They're doing exactly what he told them not to. Yes. And then we see what happens. Right. It's disaster because they didn't stay together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so Ahsoka, the only thing I want to say about the Ahsoka Morak scene that I haven't said already is it was so beautiful. It was just so be- the sound editing on it, the yeah. shots, the light. It was just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Loved yes. it. And then Sabine and Shen. It was awesome to see the juxtaposition between Ahsoka and Marak, who are obviously masters and practitioners of their craft. Marak has been around a lot longer uh, and wielding a lightsaber much longer than Shen. And you see that in their fighting styles, because Marak and Ahsoka are very patient with each other. Shin and Sabine have this incredible parallel where they're passionate and destructive and really, really gritty. And if if Rey had had a little more training with her lightsaber, mm-hmm. she and Kylo Ren would have had a very similar battle. Mm-hmm. She didn't have enough training. No, and she also had a fear of her power, whereas mm-hmm. Sabine and Shin, Shin really leaned into her power. And mm-hmm. Sabine understands that she doesn't really have much power or talent, but she still is a, an excellent. And what did you think about the, the different fighting styles that you saw or just the sort of like just the scene in general? Oh, it was badass. It was really, yeah, it was just like, whoa, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. These two things happen and it was great. Yeah. And I was 
And the the scene where Sabine like bitch slaps Shin with the force, how much of that was also a tactic to distract Shin so that Sabine could shoot her with the things on her um, gauntlet? Uh-huh. That's not what it's called. What is it called when it's on the, the forearm? Do you remember? Oh, I, I, I don't know. Okay. I, I say gauntlet, but that's not correct. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll figure it out. But And then she shoots the lightsaber out of Shin's hand. Hey there, friends. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that you're enjoying it so far. Be sure to give us a follow and like on Instagram at womenofstarwarspodcast.com. Want to get Star Wars books, movies, and other media for free? Support your local library where you can check out Star Wars media as well as use their free Wi-Fi to browse Wikipedia, StarWars.com, or the Women of Star Wars Instagram page. Not near a local branch or just too busy to go in? With most libraries, you can digitally sign up for a library card and gain access to their entire catalog. You can also download Hoopla. Hoopla is the leading all-in-one digital library app with more than 1 million titles from best-selling novels, chart-topping albums, and blockbuster movies to niche, hard-to-find content. Hoopla has something for everyone. Read, listen, and watch 24-7 without ads or late fees for free. Available in Google Play or the App Store. And now, back to the show. Yeah, so Ahsoka gets to the, like, the Stonehenge-looking... Ley lines. What is that? Druid sacrifice area where they're doing the <laughs> rock upload of the map. Anakin spoke very highly of you. Interesting. He never mentioned you. That's very classic band Star Wars banter of you know, classic. And just the 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 low bar of mm-hmm. Balin trying to emotionally manipulate somebody. Oh, he he just attempts it with Ahsoka by by saying, "Oh, let me talk about your master, and then let me." Mm-hmm remind you of how he turned to the dark side and became Darth Vader. And let me just remind you of all these things that I think hurt you. She definitely doesn't use her master or her relationship or her pain Mm -hmm. in the same way that we see other Jedi using it. Let me say this about they have, they start, you see a lightsaber battle duel between Ahsoka and Lord Balin. And what I was very surprised, like shouldn't this happen like episode seven, but we got it in four, and that was great. It was incredible to watch that that fight happening, and it would cut to Sabine fighting that you have no mm-hmm. power. Uh, and then, uh, oh, and then back, to, I, I'm just looking at my notes real quick. And then Ahsoka grabs the map. That was the most Indiana Jones scene I've seen this season. That was incredible. You know, that to me, yes. it felt like a tribute to Indiana Jones. She grabs it, burnt on her hand. She has the map now. At least I think she does, right? So now she doesn't need it anymore. Ooh. Right? That's, that's what I thought about it. That's really... I didn't even think about that at all. And then and then Ahsoka sees Shin and she's like, if I see you, that means there must be no Sabine. And she fucking lets her have it. And mm-hmm. is, that, is that evil or not, right? <laughs> what I thought was this is such a, this is such a toxic fan statement I'm about to make. So content warning. I was like, uh, so you're going to force push Shin into a rock and give her a concussion. Okay, fine. That's, that's how battles work. Um, why not pick up the map with the force and just throw it somewhere? Like throw it off the side of the cliff. Yeah, just, I don't know. Like, anything. Like, there's literally a cliff did. right there that you could throw it off of. <laughs> and, 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 this, and to seal my, how I really don't like Sabine is that she gets the map and she's like, I'm going to shoot it. It's, and, and so I was like, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't do it. And I'm thinking like, if, you know, I've had weapons training. I don't know. I wouldn't shoot something I was holding in my hand. That would probably hurt my hand that was holding the object. And that's all I could think about watching it was that she's going to shoot this and shock her wrist <laughs> and have a fracture. And then we're going to have to see healthcare on C-toes and how that works. Again. That's all, that's all I could think about. And of course, classic Sabine doesn't pull the fucking trigger. And, draw, and gives it to them like a Christmas gift. She just needed a bow. <clears throat> it pissed me off, Sarah. I'm taking it to my next therapy appointment. Nobody, like, I. why would you shoot that with your hand? And then why wouldn't you just throw it over the fucking cliff? Yes. There's so many things you could have done in that moment. I remember thinking. just put a lightsaber through it. Like, there's so yes. many things you could have done with it. Isn't that Did how Balin gets rid of it? Yeah. Yes. Then you had to just and- hold a gun to it. 
Has any Which, I was nobody like, is going to shoot something. That's crazy. And she's like, step away from her. I was like, this is not a hostage situation, Sabine. Oh. And I had a similar thought. I was like, if she shoots that, what's the ricochet going to look like? What's what the, What's the shrapnel pattern going to be like? This, this area looks like this druid sacrifice. Weird. And 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 I'll talk about that when we get to the last scene when we're in this mm-hmm. world between worlds. I looked mm-hmm. it up. That's what I've learned from yes. my research about because I was like when Ahsoka, Ahsoka is the fallen Jedi. There's so many layers of the fallen Jedi. That's the title, and you see it over. Mm-hmm. Is it you know could it be Balin and and Shin as the fallen Jedi, or is it Ahsoka? I mean, there's like it could mean multiple stuff, but I think it's the literal Ahsoka falling off the cliff, but. Because of the cliff and Sito's and the ley lines and this, where they are, like something special about that land. She falls through time and space into this other mm-hmm. dimension. What? It makes sense because because the witches of Dathomir were using the dark side of the force, and the green gas is a physical manifestation of that power and energy in that planet. Dathomir was the place where that energy was the strongest, but it wasn't the only place in the galaxy where it existed. Therefore, it makes sense. Their power that that, is displayed in green gas. That's one of the ways that it shows up. Okay. So that green, that green flame that shoots up and opens mm-hmm. up the map, that is basically like the dark sister, dark energy magic. Okay. It would make sense that at a night sister stronghold, mm-hmm. there would be an entry into the world between worlds. The other place that we see the entry into the world between worlds is in a Jedi temple. Mm-hmm. on some of fall at the end of rebels and there's and mystical lines uh, and that mystical kinda, ley lines that's what that's what i read about it that there it's just that tell me about that i don't know ley lines just that the way it exists in time and space is like it falls into this portal to this other dimension that's where the gateway is because of how it is constructed oh yes i would agree with that yes and the ley lines would be like the um i would be thinking about on the side of the cliff when you see all the lines pop up and you know to me the visuals look very much uh, especially when you go into the world the uh, world between worlds it felt very soul the uh, great beyond and what yes. you see of the afterlife i sent you that picture mm-hmm. and that's what it made me think of but i do want to go back because we we did skip a lot uh she gives him the map so i had said all that but did you want to say anything about that the fight and and the the inquisitor style and he's the zombie yeah. going to smoke <laughs> uh i want to say something about right between ahsoka and lord balin um again the sound editing and the fight choreography was just incredible and they incredible. both fought with intense respect and honor for one another and their jedi training because even though she has two sabers, she never drew her second saber. She only yeah. fought with one saber to match her enemy, which I thought Ooh. was really, really cool. I, when I watched them fight Balin and Ahsoka, there was this respect between them. And I wonder yeah. if he will be the one who turn, changes to the good. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure either because he did. He was very clear that he was not going to be starting the war. He yeah. said, I won't be starting the war, but Thrawn, Thrawn will. And you have to cr- destroy in order to create. And I think that Balin said that and then later said, you know, your legacy is one of death and destruction. And I have to wonder if the point he was trying to get at was what you are trying, what I'm trying to do is the same thing as what you're trying to do. But I also wonder if Balin knew that this was an entry point between the for the worlds between worlds and intentionally pushed Ahsoka there. Oh, I bet he does. I mean, he has yeah. to. I don't know, but I, you know, I'm that's got to be water cooler talk between him and Morgan. Like, yo, where are we at? And she's like, you know, this place we used to have some sacrifices of virgins, and you could go into another yeah. world if you just go off that cliff, man. There's this whole other dimension. It's the great beyond. I mean, they yeah. could have that water cooler talk. We don't know. We don't know. It could also be that he just came across it in all of his studies and training and he want to kill Ahsoka then why does he throw her there so she's saved or Well remember earlier in the season he is very clear about his admiration for Ahsoka. He says very yeah. plainly it would be a waste of talent to destroy her. Yes. And I and, mm-hmm. don't know if he actually 
wants there to be war. He says that you have to destroy in order to create, but that could mean any number of things. He doesn't seem to have an investment in Thrawn's return. I don't know. He does say to Shin, power like you've never imagined, but he doesn't say it, if I remember correctly, and I might not, he doesn't say it with this lust for power. He says it more as a fact. So, that, that just popped into my head. Um, so Sabine doesn't store the map. Thank God she doesn't shoot her face off with it. But Balin completely manipulates Sabine emotionally. And this is where we hear about how her entire family died because her master didn't trust her. Right. Which makes a lot more sense as to why she flinched so hard when Ahsoka mm. asked, can I count on you? Because she, she gives him the map. You can't count on her, Ahsoka. She gives him the map. Yes. And they get the coordinates, and then she becomes a prisoner to them. And but then we see the cavalry arrive. We see Hera arrive. I was like cheering. I was like, yeah, I was so excited. Me too. And Hu Wang is like, oh, they're on the surface. We're doing this. Don't let the hyper ring escape. And then they get in the way. They're like, we got to stop. We got to block its path. And I was freaking out because when Morgan said, all right, let's go. Yeah. I was like, what's going to happen? We can't kill Hera. There's no way you could kill her. But what happens when a hyperspace rink passes over all those different ships? And then we found out like it, it killed the ships. It was very scary. Yeah, Jason, and I have a bad Jason, feeling about this. Well, oh, yes. <laughs> Classic Star Wars line. And the right. look that Hera gave him. I, don't know, I was wondering if Hera was kind of looking at him in because she doesn't verbally agree. And I don't know yeah. if that's her trying to be a good mom and trying to help her son feel safe. Yeah. And also Jason's sensitivity of, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. here's his force sensitivity coming out. If he yeah. can sense it and he hasn't had any Jedi training or any Jedi exposure, then this is really bad what's about to happen. Yeah. And she was probably yeah. also just very scared knowing what could happen and knowing that the enemy has the map and the means to get to Thrawn. I feel like the look she gave him wasn't the look of a kid who has said it for the very first time. Like, I feel like he's probably said a lot of things to her that were close. And that I'm like, this is not the place that I want that to be. You know, I don't know. I just feel like Mm -hmm. kids probably won't withhold when they're little. And, you know, and they have a very, I guess if they can talk to their parent freely, I don't know. And Hera, by the way, is very uh, the female version of Han Solo. I don't know if you think that initially i do not agree with that however i would like Mm -hmm. to hear more about your thoughts about it because in the moment it's not making sense to me but please make it make sense to me i'll tell you what for the next episode i will have examples i I say that only because for me dr afra is who is not in the show and not in star wars Mm -hmm. she's a comic Mm -hmm. book character Mm -hmm. she to me is more han solo than harris and Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear your reasons for why you think Hera and Han are similar. Um, and I look forward to that. Okay, I will. So then they, uh, the bad guys go into hyperdrive and they take oh out gosh. some of the rebels with them. What horrible people. Yes. Wait, hold on. Can I say one more thing about the hyperspace sure. ring? Not Please. the hyperspace ring. Um, one thing that Balin says to Sabine, and I need to, and I'll do this for the next episode. I need to go back and rewatch some episodes of rebels because the thing that the argument he's trying to make is we actually have a common goal and he's talking about we want the same things and it some of the verbiage that he was using echoed darth maul saying those things to ezra bridger when they were on malachor when mm-hmm. darth maul was trying to recruit ezra to the dark side mm-hmm. so i will do that for the next episode i will look okay. at that Okay, anyways, so back to where we were. They jump into hyperspace, and Hera and crew are sort of floating there. Ahsoka and Huyang are on, or Ahsoka's in the world between worlds. Huyang is on the surface. Sabine is on the she, ship. Ahsoka wakes up, and I thought she was in the black sand of the frozen two beach, right? Because it shows <laughs> the water the horse way is going to roll up. The water just- ripple. And then you notice that it's not water, it's something else. And that's when you realize she's in this other weird place. And um, she hears something and she says, Master. And in my notes, like, look, I should always say it. Oh my God. <laughs> Anakin. Yes. 
Which not I, Vader, not burnt, fully human or mostly human. He probably still has the arm. Um, mm-hmm. And he looks at her and he smiles like, I didn't think I'd see you again this soon. And it just like. Um, yeah, talk about an emotional gut punch. If you live, if you're in a world between space and time, you could really, this is, this could be an Anakin. And then, and then when the, when the show ends, it's part of the Darth Vader song. It's not all of it. It's part of it. And then it stops. So it's not the full, it's it's telling you like, this is not the full Vader you're seeing. I can't hear Mm -hmm. a show unless I have my subtitles on. Did it say Imperial March? (gasps) Darth Vader theme. And so I like turn it up because I'm trying I don't want to wake up the baby I turn it up and I listen and it's just part of it and it stops and I, was oh. like, I wonder if my okay. subtitles were fucked up but no I think that's intentional to tell you that you're not seeing full realized Darth Vader you're seeing partial Darth Vader dude this show from from a production perspective because I watch this with my husband who went to film school at USC he's constantly telling me what this stuff might mean like when she falls off the cliff into the water that's like falling into subconscious she's entered Mm -hmm. another dimension another world and now she's in the world between worlds it's not really water but where is she in reality well water has long been associated with the subconscious right and dreams so and i'm subject to the whims of the moon Mm -hmm. and which i believe that balin I believe that his name in Norse mythology means chasing the moon. And Ooh. Shin, I think, is chasing is a wolf that change, chases the sun. Or that's vice versa. I'll have to double check that for next episode. I can't stop thinking about how you said Balin might have known that when he threw Ahsoka off, that she wasn't going to mm-hmm. die. She was going to go into this other dimension. I honestly just thought of that in the moment. I have no... I, I wonder, though, that's digging. really interesting. Yeah, because yeah, he's he's an older dude. He has mm-hmm. been around longer than Ahsoka, mm-hmm. and he doesn't seem to really rule with his emotions very often. You saw yeah. it a little bit in the fight sequence, but mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with that. Um, <laughs> you said something. Oh, gosh, what was it? Oh, Anakin. Two things. Number one, he doesn't have the scar over his eye. which he did acquire in the Clone War series. Anyways, but that scar isn't there. Mm. And I have to go back and look at Return of the Jedi and see his Force ghost and see if the scar is there. Because if the scar is present there, but it's not present in this representation of Anakin, there's a foul plot afoot. Well, Well, I'll have to see. Because you sent me, didn't you send me a noticed article about how this might be a red herring? Yeah. And I will link that article in the show notes. I glanced at it very quickly because um, hashtag teacher life. I don't get a lot of time to check right, out things yeah. at work. But they made a really good, interesting point about how Anakin was holding Vader's saber. And mm-hmm. if you go and watch the World Between Worlds episodes, you see that while it is like sort of this shortcut to different dimensions and between space and time, it also seems to be getting back to the Joseph Campbell part of the hero's journey, mm-hmm. um, a place where that is where your temptation comes and that is where you face your dark side. That is mm-hmm. your big trial in the same way that Luke faced in the, dark the Dagobah side system. Dagobah. Yeah, yeah. This, this is how that shows up for other people um, I love that. in places that are strong with the force. Cause Dagobah was strong with the force, and, but it had pockets that were strong. With the dark I'm sure side. it had a sacrificial site similar to Sito's. <laughs> Uh, somewhere um, you know, if we would have wandered further in the swamp we might have found it and then the episode ends with her just saying anakin and what do you think is going to happen next i have no idea because i don't know if she's is she dead like what she can't no. die she's the main character so what's happening so i i have so many questions but i'm just gonna wait and see um, what do you want to have happen like what would you like to see what would you like to be hopeful for in the next episode I haven't thought of that. Or that Sabine will do something else to piss me off. <laughs> she'll give away a secret of something. She'll say it, she'll tell them Ahsoka's first crush, or she's going to do something. You're hilarious. So we'll see. About, um, I'm waiting for that. Um, I, you know, I'm going to make a prediction at the start of the next episode. I'm going to try to guess what Sabine did to piss you off at the start okay. of the next episode. And then you can tell me if I'm right or not. <laughs> okay. Okay, so Sabine's going to piss you off. What else do you think is going to happen? Ahsoka's going to come out of there. 
but where will she be? Will she be on another, like, where she fell? And it goes into the world between worlds. And so she's in this different space, like, place between time and space continuum or whatever. Is she, when she falls out, will she be on a different planet? So where is Ahsoka's journey going to be? Okay. Um, All good questions. Because I don't want to lose sight of the whole, like, what the plot is and be like, oh, she saw Anakin and now just focus on that. Like, what does that mean? Because I want to do that, but we have this map that has been uploaded, but it's on Ahsoka's hand. Very Indiana mm. Jones, right? She burned it in, so Ahsoka should be able to find it. So that's what I'm hoping is by the end of the next episode, Ahsoka will be en route to this, using her hand as a map to get them where they're going. And Sabine will piss me off. Okay, both great predictions. I can't wait to guess and see how Sabine is going to make you mad this time. What about um, you? What do you think is going to happen? I think we're going to get an episode, a very Hera-heavy episode. Mm-hmm. I think that for a couple of reasons. I think that because they're going to not want to show too much more of Anakin and Ahsoka. When, I, I think when we do meet up with Anakin and Ahsoka again, it will be a trial of Ahsoka in some way. Whether it turns out to actually be Anakin and they do some training or if it turns out to be her temptation into the dark side. Either way, we're not going to I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of that next episode uh, just because of the Star Wars sort of formula. And I definitely think that we're going to get a lot more Hera next episode and we're going to see more Sabine. Pissing us off. I don't think we're going to get to Thrawn just yet. I don't know if we're going to get to Thrawn in episode six or seven, or we might get yeah. him at the very end and end the season yeah. on a cliffhanger, kind of like how Andor went down. You know, where it ended at like a good spot, but it's also like, okay, but we know there's more coming. And what is that? Yeah, I think Jason so. and Hera is going to tell us something. There's something going on. There's a reason she has him uh, yeah. and they're together. And so I think. This next episode, we'll probably go in and explore his feelings, like his Jedi Force sensitivity and their time together. So maybe that's what we'll pick up in the next episode. I don't know. That's actually a really good thought. And to piggyback off that, they definitely are going to have to land on the planet. And Jason's sensitivity, will, will he'll definitely pick up on things on the planet. Because it is a planet that is strong with the Force, even if it's the dark side of the Force. And if he goes to that site, because kids see all kinds of shit that adults don't see. Kids can do all kinds of things that adults can't do. Maybe Jason is the one who calls Ahsoka back. (gasps) Oh, wouldn't that be cool? She has to be called back to get out of there? No, but if she's confused about where, you know, because in the world between worlds, there's all these different portals and there's no like straight line between them. It's kind of like a very interconnected highway. It's really easy to get turned around about where it is that you're supposed Mm -hmm. to be. At least that's the impression that I got in the Rebels episode where Ezra is running through the world between the worlds. And Ezra and Ahsoka both separate uh, and Ezra returns to the temple and I can't remember where Ahsoka goes, but maybe she goes, I need to rewatch it and take notes. I'm a very much a kinesthetic learner. Like if I don't write it down, I can't always remember what happened. I can remember how I felt, but I can't remember what was said or what was done. That's a kinesthetic learner. It's yeah. If you're dominantly kinesthetic, it's one of the best ways um, for you to learn is doing something tactile, like writing or drawing or watching a physical book. Like if I definitely had challenges in grad school, reading mm. and annotating on on a screen, and I can't retain anything that I learn. Mm. I have to touch it and write on it and highlight it. It's mm-hmm. what yeah. am I doing? Anyways, anyways. So. It's always fun talking to my friend about Good. Star Wars. It's lovely. And my hate for and Sabine. We, we no, do I don't so hate her. I'm, I'm hopeful that you by the end of the... You dislike her. You know what? I'm hopeful by the end of the season that I will love her so much and cut my hair off and dye it purple. Like, she... I'm hopeful. Like, I really want to like her. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want a dumb female character who's like tripping on the grass and handing the map to the fucking villain like you know what i mean like yeah i i know that they have to carry the story and maybe that was the only way to do it but god it could have done something else so a critique that i had about kind of a lot of stories that are happening right now featuring women characters is that is the representation of grief 
And I also have a trouble with this with how it's represented with male characters. When male characters mm-hmm. experience grief, they oftentimes resort to violence. Female yeah. characters, I've noticed when they are experiencing intense grief, they sort of latch on to this, for lack of a better term, revenge narrative. And I saw this in the WandaVision and oh, Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Yes, so great. But I didn't understand why the Scarlet Witch was so in love with her grief that she couldn't let it go and all of the actions that she took, you know, visiting all the multiverses to try to find her children, creating the Wandaverse. Um and just her obsession with that, this sort of obsessive I grief. I loved it. Yeah. We have this outcome that we want for ourselves and she had the she just wanted to be with her family. She wanted to be loved and belong with her family. I think there's nothing. It's such a tragic, sad story. It is. But I loved it. I loved WandaVision. So that's a parallel that Wanda and Sabine have, is that they Mm -hmm. had experienced so much that they had this obsession with their grief and an obsession with trying to get those people back. And it's irritating because Sabine is doing these things that we would like to think that we wouldn't do in that situation. Yeah. But I can't say with 100% honesty that if I was in Sabine's position that I wouldn't do the same thing. Like if somebody, if there was a map to my sister. I would have run a lightsaber through it. (laughs) I wouldn't have handed it to him and I wouldn't have shot a gun at it. I would have taken my lightsaber and I would have like put it on the tip and I would have let it run its way down. And then like slicing this motherfucker. Yeah. That's all it takes. Just the tip. I don't know. I definitely would have hesitation. I would definitely have hesitation. And that moment of hesitation is where you can be manipulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's true. No, I, I'm too yeah. on her. She probably is. No, no, no. I mean, you can. If soul. I didn't know what I know about Sabine, I probably wouldn't like her either. I don't judge you for not liking her. There, there are other characters. And I didn't like Reva the first time I met her in Obi-Wan. It took me mm-hmm. a long time to like her. Yeah. Anyways, we'll talk about her another time. Thank you very much for joining me, my dear. Thank you. And may the force be with you, and I'll see you next week. May the force be with you. See you next week. Thank you for joining me today on the Women of Star Wars podcast. I hope that you enjoyed your time here. I certainly enjoyed having you. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Women of Star Wars Podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast available on Spotify. New episodes drop each Friday. Want to share your Star Wars story? Send your Star Wars story to womenofstarwarspodcast at gmail.com with the subject line, Star Wars Story. Share a favorite Star Wars memory or experience or your favorite female character. Again, that's womenofstarwarspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for your time. Until next week, my name is Sarah Sindula, and may the Force be with you. Thank you.